We're so glad that you've tuned into our Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. I'm Jennifer Akers, and I'm our Associate Worship Pastor here at Rolling Hills. We're bringing our series, Eyes on Jesus, to a close today. In this series, we've explored the themes of worry and fear and how those compare to what God's perspective and plan is for our lives. Friends, it can be so easy to allow anxiety to overwhelm or even cripple us at times. But that's what makes our faith in Christ that much more important. So what we'll be talking about today is the peace of Jesus that transcends all things. We can't wait to jump into this message with you and see how God uses it in your life. Thanks for being here. We're going to be studying in Philippians chapter 4 starting in verse 4. And this is what the Word of God says. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you were learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. So as we think about the ideas that we've been talking out over these couple weeks and how do we come to a conclusion of what these is, how do we walk away from this? The first thing I want us to see is that what Paul gives us in his letter to the Philippians is the answer is peace. But before we get to the peace, I want us to look for just a second is um, when we think about anxiousness a lot, we think about it as a current cultural construct. That is something that we in modern society struggle with, and it's a new thing to us. But we see Paul writing to the early church, and he's saying to the church at Philippi, don't be anxious. And the thing I think we should notice from that is what it says in Ecclesiastes is there's nothing new under the sun. That in our attempt to flourish as humans, anxiousness and worry has always been a roadblock for the human heart. It is not anything new. The only thing that is new is mechanisms that come into our life that may cause stress, anxiety, and worry. But at its core, anxiousness and worry has always been part of the human experience. But what is when when you think about it is when he he when you hear anxiousness, you think to yourself, I. Do not be anxious. I I don't want to be anxious. We relate to that. But what was Paul writing to? What were the early church, what were they struggling with when it came to anxiousness? The first thing I want you to see is they were struggling with inner conflict in the church. There was disunity in the church, which gave them anxiety. Because we can relate this on the level of not just church relationships, but any relationship in your life. When conflict comes in, sometimes the natural result is anxiousness or worry. In that conversation with them, did I say the right things? Did, they res- did I respond in the right, right way? What would it be like when I see them again? There's all this anxiousness that comes when we have conflict in our relationships. So the, the church at Philippi had this disunity on the inside and they had anxiousness about it. So there was internal stressors on them. But there was also external stressors that their church existed in a world that was antithetical to the gospel in general. And so they had these external stressors and they had these internal stressors and the response was anxiousness. And then Paul gives them 
a response to that, which is the opposite of anxiousness, the opposite of fear, the opposite of worry, which is peace. So why peace? The first thing I want you to see is this fact, that almost every book in the New Testament mentions peace on some level. And to me, when you see a theme like that, that almost every single book in the New Testament mentions peace, that means it's pretty important. And for us, if that was the case in the early church, that peace was a crucial aspect, then we should step back and say, what does peace look like for us as followers of Christ? What does it look for, like for us as the church? And the way you see peace mentioned in the New Testament is many different ways. We see it mentioned like this, do not be anxious. The peace of God, the peace of the supernatural peace of the Messiah will come to you. But oftentimes it's at the end and a final exhortation of Paul saying, grace and peace be to you. He's telling the people he's writing to that this is that grace and peace together. We talk about grace a lot, but maybe not peace as much is a promise of God that you should take hold of. And that's what the word is telling us today, that the peace of God is something that we should take hold of. But maybe you're here today and you hear that word peace. And that doesn't seem like something that's obtainable to you. Maybe you're in a place where you feel like your heart's in chaos and the chaos is all around you and you don't think peace is possible. Well, maybe God wanted you here today just to hear this truth and it's this, that peace is possible. That peace is possible for you. And partially the reason why it may seem so unthinkable, unimaginable that you could have peace It's because this is not a peace like the world talks about. The scripture says it is a peace that surpasses and transcends all understanding. This is a peace that only comes from knowing the Messiah. And this is a peace that's possible for you and for me. So we have to ask ourselves the question, if there is not peace, what is it in our life that has broken the peace? What is it that is causing peace to be absent? And I love this quote by Thomas Merton that says this. He says, we are not peace with others because we are not at peace with ourselves. And we are not at peace with ourselves because we are not at peace with God. So our first step, if we start at the back and work our way back to our relationship to others, is the first step to finding this peace of God, the first step to the peace of the Messiah, the first step of finding peace in our hearts is having peace with God. This is what Colossians says. It's not going to be on the screen. I'm just going to read it to you. I want you to just listen and let it soak into your hearts. It says, For God was pleased to have all fullness dwell in him, talking about Jesus, And through him to reconcile to himself all things. We are part of all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven. And how did he do it? By making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Because once you were alienated from God and you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he's reconciled you by Christ through his physical body to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. That the first step to peace is finding peace with God. And this is telling us that the Father is giving us peace through the blood of Jesus. That we were once enemies because of our sin. And that sin was not held against us. Instead, he made peace with us by sending his son, the ultimate peacemaker. 
And then when in, in the Sermon on the Mount, it says, blessed are the peacemakers. The first step of peacemaking is making peace with God, which he initiated through the blood of Jesus who gave us peace with him. And once we find out that we say, Lord, I believe that you sent your son to give me forgiveness and we accept that forgiveness and realize that our past is not held against us, that we've been forgiven our sin, then we could take the next step to address our own worst enemy, our own chief critic, the one who's harder on us than anyone. And it's ourselves that we make peace with God. And our next step is making peace with ourselves and truly coming to the point that we can forgive ourselves for the things that are written down in the ledger of our present and our past. And truly not just accept that God has forgiven us, but live and believe in our life that he has forgiven us. And then once we come to a place of peace with God and peace with ourselves, then we can truly turn and be peacemakers to others and take that peace outside of ourselves to others. So we see that peace is possible. We see peace starts with God, moves to ourselves, and moves out to others. And I want you to see this, that peace is a gift. It is a gift where the work has already been done and God is gifting this to us. The peace of the Messiah is a gift to us. That through Jesus, God is promising peace to us. But I think part of the problem is we misunderstand what we mean when we say peace. He's... Peace, when I say peace, he's not trying to change the world around us. He's trying to change our hearts. Because oftentimes when we talk about peace, we're like, I'm going to go to this serene landscape. I'm going to go to this lake house. I'm going to go to this ski lodge. I'm just naming all the places I saw people go on fall break that I didn't go. Um, <laughs> like this, this place, this is peace. But we know peace is not where you are. Peace is who you are. Because you can go to the most serene landscape and have chaos in your heart. And that place no longer defines peace. Now, I truly believe that there are places that inspire more peace, that it's easier to practice peace in certain places. But we are who we take with us to these places. God doesn't want to change our outer circumstances. He wants to change our heart. And when he changes our heart, we have an inner peace. And when we have inner peace... It is unchanged by outer chaos. Inner peace is unchanged by outer chaos. And this is the peace of the Messiah that, that no matter what is going on around us, we have this inner peace inside of us. If you think about any great story that you've ever read or any great movie that has this hero type character, they most of the time have this non-anxious presence about them, this peace about them that they are calm, and they are courageous in the chaos. They don't run from the chaos. They are in the chaos. And they are a picture of peace in the chaos. And Jesus was that perfect picture of peace in the chaos around us. And so when we are taking hold of the peace of the Messiah, we're taking hold that the outer surroundings, the things going around around us that will always be chaotic. And in the past year, they may have seemed more chaotic but they've always been chaotic. What God promises is a peace in the chaos. And when we are being formed in Jesus, we are being formed in peace. So here's the thing. Everything in our life is forming us into something. 
All the things we allow to be a part of our normal rhythm of our life are forming us into something. Our habits are forming us into something. Our habits don't just form our schedules. It forms who we are. That is part of our formation. But when we're being formed in Jesus, and what I mean when I say that is, you know, my title is discipleship pastor. What I define discipleship is being changed into Christ's likeness. And as we are being discipled, Jesus is our apprentice. He is our master teacher. We become like the teacher. We become like Jesus. And he was the perfect picture of peace. In fact, he is called the prince of peace. And we become more like Jesus. We are becoming people of peace. And also wants to see that peace is a practice. Peace is a practice. If you look at verse 9 of Colossians, I mean, Philippians 4, it says this. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. What Paul's saying is like, I've been with you. You've seen the things that I've done. Here's the things that I've taught you. Put these things into practice and the response will be the peace of God. He's saying to practice these things and the response is peace. Earlier he said, pray and the response will be peace. Practice the things that I've shown you and the response will be peace. Because peace is a practice. And I know sometimes when you hear things like that, you're like, Jacob, are you saying that I have to do things to receive peace? And I'll explain it like this. Uh, I have these trails in my neighborhood. They go through the woods right outside my back door, basically. I can go walking straight to the trails. And I do what Amy Alexander talked about frequently. And I, I move and I pray and I walk probably about one to two hours a week. I'll hit these trails and walk and I'll pray. And then around these trails, there's a stream that goes around. And I have this weird thing about me. Every time I go by these streams, if I see a spot where it's become clogged with sticks and debris, I have to get in the creek and free that spot for the water to flow. It's just a weird thing about me. I'll go walk with my kids and they'll be like, dad's in the creek again. Um, I just have to do it. There's something so rewarding to me to like see the water trying to get through, seeing the blockage and getting there and, and releasing it and letting it flow. There's something just so peaceful about it. Because here's the truth of it is that water wants to flow. It's designed to flow through. But there's objects that get in the way that keep it from flowing. And the peace of God is the same way. God has already given it to us. He wants it to flow. He is flowing it even now. But sometimes there's objects that get in the way that keep the peace of God from flowing. And we have to meet him in the work and do the work to remove those objects. In fact, I can do a little bit to help the stream. I pull a couple of things out here and there. But it's not until as a community, as a neighborhood, we go in there and clean that stream together, will it fully flow. And the same is true for us. We all have work to do to practice peace, for that peace to fully flow. But we also need people in our life, a community, brothers and sisters around us to help those objects stay free and flowing in our life as well. So what we're going to do here for this last few minutes is Talk about ways to practice this peace, ways to intentionally remove the object so God's peace can flow in our hearts. So here's five ways to practice peace. It's not exhaustive, but it's something for us to take a first step for. The number, first one is this. Watch your input. Watch your input. What I mean by this is I said that the early church struggled with anxiousness. We struggle with anxiousness. Here, I think, is the biggest difference. They didn't struggle with the massive amounts of input that we have. 
we have access literally to all the information from all of history. I believe that that's too much for the human heart to bear, especially at the levels we're receiving it. We know too much. Here's a good example of his social media. Like a couple of years ago, I was on Twitter and I'm looking and I'm looking at the comment section and I realized that I'm watching the world fall apart in real time. And I realized that as I'm watching the chaos unfold, it's creating chaos in my heart. And I said, I'm no longer here for this. I missed the Twitter when it was like, Jacob is eating a pizza. Now it's Jacob hates pizza and I hate Jacob for eating pizza or whatever. <laughs> and I said, I don't want any more of it. So I deleted it and I feel free. And every morning I look at Instagram and Facebook and say, is today the day I'm going to delete you? Because Instagram is harmful for a whole nother reasons where Twitter, you see the world fall into chaos. On Instagram, you see a perfect picture of no chaos where everybody's perfect, where everybody's on a fall bake trip when I'm at home. And then it becomes the God of comparison. And then that creates anxiety in my heart because I don't have what they have. I wish I had what they had. I wish. And Facebook's its own thing. I don't know. But I know a couple of weeks ago when Instagram and Facebook went down for a day, I saw a bunch of people say, oh, I was hoping it would never come back. And I'm like, that's kind of your choice um, if it ever <laughs> comes back. So social media, what are we letting the input in our heart? What are we letting into our children's heart, into our home? What are we letting the input be? What about this? What about the news? How much news are we letting affect our situation? Everything's breaking news, breaking news, breaking news, breaking news. Well, if everything's breaking news, nothing's breaking news. And really all they're trying to do is just break into our heart, into our mind, into our stream, and be an object. So news. What about Netflix? How many shows can we binge on Netflix? I'm just being honest. And really, There's nothing wrong with watching a show on TV, but here's, here's how I want to put it. If our intake of social media, Netflix, and the news outweighs our intake of God's word, then we will be imbalanced. And we will be terribly malnourished. That's one of the rest of the steps focus on that. Number two, meditate on God's word. And I know you hear that, you're like, Jacob, you're talking about finding inner peace. You're talking about uh, meditating. This sounds really Eastern. Let me tell you the difference. Eastern religions say, meditate, clear your mind, empty your mind. Christian meditation says, fill your mind with the word of God. And scripture clearly points us to this type of practice of meditating on God's word and what that looks like. So as we look at this, let's go back and look at uh, Philippians 4, 6 through 7. So we're just going to practically, I'm going to show you how to possibly meditate on this, how to think on these things. So the first line here says, do not be anxious about anything. So a way to meditate on a passage like this, and I'm always pro like, hey, let's read less scripture. You're like, Jacob, did you say read less scripture? I mean, read less scripture and read it more fully. So we are in the Bible daily, but let's sit in smaller texts. Like, let's just take this passage and make this our daily reading. And we meditate on it and do things like this and say, the first line says, do not be anxious about anything. So how do I meditate on that? Father, what are the things in my heart that are making me anxious? God, show those things to me as I meditate on these things. Lord, help me remove those things. As I, uh, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Lord, let me meditate for all the things that you've blessed me with. 
Let me look at my life and be watchful in my prayer with thanksgiving and say, what are the things you've blessed with my family, my home, my resources, my peace that I have with you? Let me just meditate on thanksgiving. Or the peace of God. What would it look like for us to stop and just sit in the truth and think about what the peace of God is and what it looks like in my life? Think of, picture yourself in your home and you're sitting there and you're meditating and thinking about the peace of God and your kids come to you and say, what are you doing, Dad? And you're like, I am meditating on the peace of God. And you're like, Mom, Dad's lost his mind. And it seems kind of crazy, but that's why, because it's so radical, it's so revolutionary to stop. To just stop and forget all the things that are trying to drive us one way and sit in the promises of God. How crazy is it to sit and think about our creator and what he's done for us? It's crazy to the world around us, but it shouldn't be crazy to us to meditate on the word of God. Let me give you another example farther in this passage. Look at this. So this is one of the greatest meditation passages in all of Scripture because it literally tells you to do this. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, commendable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, what does it say? Think about these things. Meditate on these things. What it's telling you is instead of focusing on the things that make us worry, instead of focusing on the anxious thoughts, instead of focusing on the things, Paul is telling you, I want you to stop and think about what is true. What if you were to take a note card? Every day and take one of these and write on there what is true. And you meditate on what's true about God. What's true about the situation that's causing anxiousness in me? What's true from God's word about it? What is noble? What is honorable? What if we were to sit and meditate on the things that are pure? The things that are lovely? It literally says that we should meditate and think about these things. That we make our input God's word and his truth and truth true about him and what's true about ourselves through words instead of the lies the enemy would rather us have in our minds. That we meditate on God's words. The next is memorize God's word. That we would memorize God's word. So as we... What I like to do is when I'm studying the word in the morning, I'll write the scripture. I'll take a, the scripture that stands out to me the most. I'll write it on a note card, and I'll take that with me so I can meditate on it throughout the day. And then it's also so I can memorize it, and I can read it. And as I'm meditating, I'm helping memorize it. And I know you're Jacob. You're like, hey, I had trouble remembering what happened yesterday. I'm with you. I'm the same thing. But I'm sure I could play a song here for you guys that I know that 80% of you would know. And as soon as I played it, you would start singing it because you've created a pathway, a trail in your heart for the memory of those lyrics. What I would say is God gave us his word. So we would create those same pathways, those same trails for writing God's word on our heart. So when the moments come where anxiousness comes, the first thing that comes to our mind is the scripture we've written in our heart. And we say, the Lord reminded me, do not be anxious about anything, but come to him with prayer and petition with thanksgiving. And we write it on our hearts. And we memorize it. To where when we come to a situation, the first thing that comes to our mind is not an office quote, but the quote of scripture. That's also me being transparent of what I struggle with is going to come out first, office quote of scripture. So memorize God's word. The next one is this, pray God's word. Pray God's word. Oftentimes, like if we went around the room and I said, everybody's going to pray. Everybody in the room is going to pray. God would be so honored by that. He would hear our prayers. But sometimes we struggle on what to pray. Am I praying holy things? Am I praying the right things? The best way to make sure you're praying in God's will is to pray God's word. The best way to make sure you're praying God's will is to pray God's word. And what does that look like for us? If we look at this passage again, what would it look like for us to pray 
scripture. So if we look at it again, so it says, do not be anxious about anything. Father, please, God, help me not to be anxious. God, as you reveal to me the things that are making me anxious, Lord, help me see those things and reveal those things so I can root those out of my life. Lord, thank you for all the things you've blessed me with, Lord. Lord, I desire your peace of God. Lord, I pray right now and I sit in your peace of God. Show me your peace of God. Let me be the peace of God. Lord, I know that I can't understand this peace, Father, but I want to sit and think about it. Lord, help me be the type of peace in others that no one understands because it only comes from you, Lord. Lord, I know you're guarding my heart. Lord, remind me the ways you're guarding my heart. Lord, please continue to guard my mind from things that take me away from you. All we're doing is repeating God's word back to him. And I know that it is music to his ears to hear his promises prayed back to him. So we meditate on God's word. We memorize God's word. We pray God's word. So all these things are how we practice peace so that we have inner peace. But God does that work for our inner self. And then that's how he changes the world around us because the fifth step is this. We proclaim peace. He does the work in our hearts so that we can have peace with him, that we can make peace with ourselves, and then we turn and become peacemakers to those around us, to those who have chaos and anxiety and madness in their heart and they're struggling with and they wish they had hope. God sends us out as proclaimers of that hope, of that peace to the world. Look at what Isaiah 52, 7 says. It says, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news or bring the gospel. This word good news is the same as the gospel. It's the first mention of gospel in scripture. The feet of those who bring gospel, who proclaim peace who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. God wants to send us out as proclaimers of the peace that we found in Jesus. And what greater evangelistic witnesses to a world in chaos of a people of peace? Because there's nothing the enemy wants more than the church to be riddled by anxiety, to be overpaced, to be overworked, to be overrun, to be too busy for our neighbors, to be too busy for our family, to be too anxious and depressed to do the work of God when what the world needs is this. In a world of fear, chaos, and anxiety, we must be, when I say we, I mean us as individuals, us as the church, big C, little C, a non-anxious presence of peace and courage. Because as we seek to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, and we seek to throw off the sin that so easily entangles us and run the race set before us, our goal is to keep our eyes fixed on the Prince of Peace, the perfect peace, the picture, the non-anxious presence of peace and courage in our life is Jesus. He is the general. He is the leader. He is the picture of that for us. And then God wants us to turn and be that picture of peace to others so that when they look at us and they see our peace, they see our non-anxious presence, what they see is Jesus. Just recently, my son was, my middle son was sick, no COVID stuff, just a cold, which I didn't even know that still existed. (laughs) But he wouldn't take his medicine. He wouldn't, he didn't want to take it. He tasted terrible to him and he was getting more anxious and getting more excited about it and crying harder and harder. Me and my wife were stomping our feet, getting harder. You have to take this. You're going to get better. You have to get better. And it wasn't working. 
And then I remember this idea of being a non-anxious presence. So I came to him and I said, son, do you think I would do anything that would harm you? He said, no, dad. He starts wiping tears away. I said, don't you know that I want you to be healthy, son? And he said, yes, dad. I said, this medicine will make you healthy. So he took the medicine. And for us, there's a world out there that needs to know that there's a God that loves them, a God that wants them to be healthy, a God that would never, ever do anything to them to harm them. And we have that. And it is the gospel of peace that Jesus came and died for you to give and for us to go give to others. So my challenge to us is to perceive the peace, make peace with ourselves, and go and proclaim the peace to a world that desperately needs it. Let's pray. Father, as we come to this time and this important passage, we're just going to do what it says, Lord. We're just going to spend a few seconds in silence being thankful for what you've given us. And Lord, whatever is on our heart, our desires, our petitions, Lord, we lift that to you, Lord. We cast all of that anxiety, all of those prayers, we cast it all on you, Lord, and we ask you. for that peace of the Messiah that you promised us. Lord, let us sit in that peace. Let us be a people of peace. And let's go and be that type of peaceful presence for your glory and for the people around us good. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to our Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast, part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network, where you can find great podcasts like Making History Parenting Podcast, Men's Leadership Network, RH Women's As You Go Podcast, and more. If you want to learn more about what's going on in the life of Rolling Hills, download our Rolling Hills app or visit our website at rollinghills.church. From there, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook to stay up to date on what's happening and ways you can connect. We're thankful for you.